We'd have to say Christianity is certainly a strange religion, isn't it? All the religions of the world, the whole message of all the religions of the world is that there is a God who has rules and laws and he demands that you live up to them. Nobody can, nobody does. But in Christianity, our God comes to earth and dies for our sins. Isn't that amazing? A cross is a strange symbol for faith. It's an instrument of execution. It's not just a trinket to wear around our neck, although there's nothing wrong with that. It's not just a symbol to put on our churches, although there's nothing wrong with that. But in the time of Jesus, it was the most horrible way that a person could die. Jesus could have come and, I guess, died for our sins like Socrates died by drinking hemlock. But no, he wanted to go to the furthest extreme and to show that our sin is so horrible. The cross is not just a picture of God's love, though it is indeed that. It is also a picture of our absolute horrendous sin. And no man can ever be justified, as Stephanie read, no man can ever be justified by the deeds of the law. No one can ever make himself right with God by trying his hardest. That's what religion says. Religion says, do this. Do, do, do. Christianity says, done. I have taken your sin. I have paid the price. And now I offer you as a free gift eternal life. It's unbelievable. No wonder people scoff at it. No wonder that so many people around the world and around our, in our own country and around our own culture and community, they think it's ridiculous. They think, well, I'm, I'm living a good life. I'm trying to be a good person. Isn't that enough? And it's not enough. I want to read a verse to you out of Proverbs, Proverbs chapter 30, verse 12. Last week, we started looking at these four passages that talked about things that are in a generation. And basically, I see this term generation as meaning the natural man, the natural man, the man who's unsaved. And the first one said that there are those who curse their fathers and do not bless their mothers. We talked about how that in the natural man rebellion is just built in. There's just this sense of resisting authority, wanting to do things my own way. But Proverbs 30 verse 12 says there is the generation that are pure in their own eyes and yet they're not washed from their filthiness. I tell you, self-righteousness is a curse. But it is a universal curse. 
the idea of people saying, you know, I'm okay because I'm trying so hard. I'm doing a good job. The Bible clearly declares that all have sinned and all have fallen short of the glory of God. And your best efforts, and I appreciate people trying to live a good, clean life, but it can never be enough. I talked to a man in Memphis many years ago, and I was talking to him about Jesus. He said, you know, I don't need all that stuff. I just live by the Ten Commandments. I said, you do? So you you live by the Ten Commandments. That's what you're counting on to get you into heaven, right? He said, that's right. I said, well, how's that working for you? Uh, You mean, honestly, that you have never, ever taken God's name and used it in an empty, meaningless way? Oh, well, he said, oh, I cuss a little. I said, "Uh, so you mean that nothing in this whole world has ever been more important to you than God? That's the second commandment. Have no other gods before me, the first commandment. Well, well, yeah, I guess. Then I said, you mean you've never had a lustful thought? You've never been so angry that you wanted to get even with somebody? You've never told a lie? You've never coveted? You've never wanted what somebody else had? Well, he said, I said, you know, I think you better get a new religion. Looks like that one's not working for you. And uh, he agreed, but he didn't get saved. I wish I could say he did. Some people say, well, I try to keep the law. Well, the fact is you can't keep the law. The law was never given as a means by which we could make ourselves right with God. It cannot produce righteousness. The law only shows us how far we fall from God's perfect righteousness. God gave all those laws not as a way of saying, now if you'll do all these things, you can go to heaven when you die. No, he gave us the law as a way of holding up a mirror in front of us and saying, look how far you are from my perfect standard of perfect righteousness. A heart that is sinful cannot be made righteous by law-keeping. The sad thing is that there are a lot of people who have tried to redefine the law in such a way that they could make it keepable. And then once they do that, they say, I'm righteous. The Pharisees in the New Testament are an example of that. They're the ones who said, well, we have defined the law. We've written dozens of pages and dozens of books, actually, on explaining the law and explaining it in such a way that we could tweak it and redefine it so that we can live by it. And they were proud of their righteousness. Jesus told a story of two men who went up to the temple to pray. One of them was a sinner and knew that he was a sinner. The other one was a sinner but didn't think he was a sinner. And the 
Pharisee looked over at this publican, this notorious sinner, held his hands up to God and said, God, I'm so thankful that I'm not a sinner like other men. And I'm especially thankful that I'm not like this filthy publican. And the publican, the Bible said, would not even lift his eyes to heaven. He smote upon his breast and he cried out, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. In fact, he didn't even say a sinner. In the Greek, it says the sinner. God, be merciful to me, the sinner. And I tell you, Jesus said those two men went home. One of them went home dignified and lost and filthy. One went home justified because he counted on the mercy of God. You take a heart that is sinful... You cannot make it righteous no matter what you do with it. It'd be like taking a rotten egg. Have any of you ever broken open a rotten egg? And you take that rotten egg that just, ooh, just nearly knocks you over. And so you say, I'll add two good eggs to it and I'll make an omelet. That wouldn't work too well, would it? I wouldn't want to eat it. You can't add enough good stuff to a sinful heart. To make it clean. But he says in Proverbs that there is a generation that they're clean in their own eyes. They they boast about their righteousness. They, They are pure in their own eyes. And yet in God's eyes, they're filthy. And they're not washed from their filthiness. So the law was given to show us just how deeply we are in trouble. Still happens today. It's not just Pharisees living 2,000 years ago. There are Pharisees in our churches today who think that by going to church and by uh, doing some church things and, and by trying to be a good neighbor and trying not to be too awful bad, they think they're, they're pure in their own eyes. But the Bible says that they are not. Jesus said of those Pharisees in that day, they were like whitewashed tombs. They had tombs in those days. In fact, if you go to Jerusalem today, you'll still see them. And those tombs were built above the ground. They were, they were like boxes sitting on the ground. Uh, uh, Stone boxes, large six feet by three feet, seven feet by three feet. And uh, some people would go and just like we do at Decoration Day where we decorate cemetery, they would go and they would whitewash the tombs to make them beautiful and clean looking. Jesus said to those Pharisees, that's what you're like. You're like whitewashed tombs. They all look so clean. They look so pretty. They they look so beautiful. And yet they are full of dead men's bones. And all corruption and uncleanness. 
And I'll tell you, the man that tries to make himself clean before God, the man that is pure in his own eyes, is like a whitewashed tomb. It may be attractive to the community, may be attractive to church members. But the fact is, we really care more about what God sees than what man sees. We should. Because the Bible says God does not see like man sees. Man looks on the outward appearance, but God looks on the heart. And a pure heart, a clean heart, a washed heart, a forgiven heart is all that God is looking for. So, our only hope is a humble honesty about the filth in our own life. I've spent a lot of time this past week just in prayer and reflection asking God to show me my own heart. I said, God, I'm going to be preaching this next Sunday about a clean heart. I don't want to stand before a congregation of people and talk about a clean heart and not be certain that you've washed my heart clean. And God has assured me that he has washed me clean in the blood of Jesus. And yet he's also revealed to me that there's so much in my own life in the area of growing in grace and maturing in the faith and, and living by faith that he wants to do in my life. It's been a week of great humbling before the Lord for me. And I would just ask you, Cry out humbly before God and say, God, I am a sinner. You say, oh, but, but I'm a Christian. But there are Christian sinners too, isn't there? Yeah. There are things in our, in our life where we fall short and we miss out on obedience to God. And God wants us to bring all those things to him. Now, we're his children if we've been washed we've been saved we're his children but you know my children even though they were my children sometimes did things they shouldn't do I know that surprises you but maybe your children did some things they shouldn't do and God's children do some things that we shouldn't do so the Bible says that if we sin We have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. And he stands in our place. And when we sin, we confess our sin, 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sin, he is faithful and just. In other words, it's right for him to do it because of the blood of Jesus He is faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us of all kinds of unrighteousness. That's an appropriate verse for us before we take the Lord's Supper today. The Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 11 that before we take the Lord's Supper, it said, let a man examine himself. Let him look. Make sure that you're in the faith. That's so vitally important. Am I Christian? 
Have I put my trust in Jesus? Do I really believe with all my heart that the blood of Jesus Christ was shed for me? And do I trust him and him alone for forgiveness? That's what makes us pure in God's sight. It's not about being pure in our own eyes. It's about being pure in his eyes. We don't make ourselves pure. He makes us clean. He cleanses us. When Jesus was serving the final supper to his disciples, the Bible says after the meal, he, he laid aside his robe and he took a towel and he wrapped it around himself and he took a basin and he began to wash the disciples' feet. They must have been so humbled, so amazed that their master was washing their feet. But when he came to Simon Peter, Peter said, Lord, you're not going to wash my feet. And Jesus said to Peter, if I don't wash your feet, then you don't have any part in the ministry with me. And then Simon Peter said an amazing thing. He said, well, Lord, don't just wash my feet. Wash my head, wash my hands, wash me all over. And Jesus said, no, you've already been made clean. And those who are clean don't need to take another bath. They only need to have their feet washed. Let me tell you, if you've been washed in the blood of Jesus... You've been made clean. But you walk about in a filthy world, don't you? I mean, you walk in a world where your ears are assaulted, where your eyes are assaulted, where your mind is assaulted, and your feet get dirty. And you need not another bath. You don't ever need to be saved again. But you do need to come regularly to the word of God and to the cross of Christ, to the blood of Jesus, and say, Jesus, wash my feet. Cleanse me of those daily transgressions where I've missed your way. We need to be, as I started to say, our only hope is humble honesty about our filth and then a cry of mercy and grace as a sinner a sinner who only deserves condemnation but with thankful faith in the one who took our sin and our guilt our condemnation and our punishment on the cross cleansing all who will trust him everyone who will trust him what can wash away my sin you tell me Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Another song we sing is, My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. Romans 3.23. Is that what you were reading today? Romans 3.20 says, For by works of the law, no human being will be justified in his sight. Since through the 
law comes knowledge of sin. You understand that? Keeping the law will never make you clean because the law only lets you know how sinful sin is. And then look at Romans 5.20. Now it is evident. Yeah. Now I think I've got the wrong verse there. Well, that's a good one, though. (laughs) Go ahead and put that one back up. Now, the law came in to increase the trespass. That's what the Apostle Paul said. I never really knew what coveting was until I read, Thou shalt not covet. And it stirred up covetous in me. But where sin increased, grace abounded all the more. And then Galatians 3.11. Now it is evident that no one is justified before God by the law. For the righteous will live by faith. There are dozens of verses in the New Testament that make it clear that self-righteousness hides our sin while the blood of Jesus cleanses our sin. So I just plead with you today. Put no trust in the flesh. Put no trust in your best effort to live for God. Put no trust in being a member of the church. Put no trust in having been baptized. All those things are good, but they're not trustworthy. We sang it at the very beginning of the service. He alone is worthy. And the blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, cleanses us from all sin. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we humbly confess our sin. And we receive by faith your perfect righteousness. We know that our best efforts are almost an insult to you. In fact, they are an insult to you. If we substitute our best efforts for being born again. And sometimes the greatest badness is human goodness when it substitutes for a new birth. So help us today to trust in you and in you alone. In Jesus' name, amen. And we'll extend to you an invitation now. Oh, the blood, crimson love, price of life's demand, shameful sin placed on him, the hope of every man. If you need to come today before we take the Lord's Supper and say, I just need to trust in Jesus alone. Or maybe right where you are, you need to do some heart work, getting some things right with God. You do that during this time of invitation. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. We invite you to like us on Facebook 
or visit our website, www.bearcreekbaptist.org. If you're not a member of another church, we would like to invite you to join us in person and get to know us and let us get to know you. Have a great week and may the Lord richly bless you.